Hello, NetSuite listeners, and welcome to the NetSuite Podcast. I'm Ian McHugh, one of the co-hosts of this podcast and a senior content marketing manager at NetSuite. Today, we're focusing on one of the hottest topics of the last three years, supply chains. Joining me to share his supply chain insights is Chris Benner, a retail industry veteran and NetSuite vertical product manager for retail. Chris delves into how products companies can counter the stream of challenges they faced the last few years, like major supply chain disruptions and, more recently, an economic slowdown. Many companies have more stock than usual on hand right now, and he shares strategies on turning that excess inventory into cash. Chris then gets into why demand and supply planning is especially critical right now, and why companies that try to use spreadsheets for this are at a disadvantage. The retail expert walks through critical inventory metrics you should watch and how to parse through this data. Chris then takes us through specific NetSuite solutions that can help businesses better predict inventory needs, manage stock, and otherwise improve the efficiency of their operations. He shares real-world examples of several customers who have seen impressive results with NetSuite supply chain management applications. As AI dominates headlines, Chris touches on how NetSuite uses machine learning to assess risk in the supply chain. He also explains how NetSuite pulls together information from across your supply chain to provide critical alerts and prevent future problems. Chris details how the system can make it easier to manage partners like 3PL providers and B2B customers. And he offers a few tips on how product companies can prepare for an uncertain future. Stay tuned. All of that and more is coming up next. You're listening to the NetSuite Podcast, where we discuss what's happening within NetSuite, why we're doing it, and where we're heading in the future. We'll dive into the details about the software and the people at NetSuite who are behind all the moving parts. We'll also feature customer growth stories, discussing the ups and downs of running a company and how one integrated system can help your business continue to scale. Chris, since this is your first time on the podcast, could you just start by giving us a quick background on your career and what your current role at NetSuite kind of entails? Sure, sure. Thanks, Ian. So yeah, I, I've um, so I'm at NetSuite. I'm a, what we call a vertical product manager. I I focus on the retail space. So really, I mean, I've been with NetSuite for eight years, and really, what I do is I focus on our strategy and roadmap as it relates to. Uh, retailers and even more broadly, just product product based companies. You know, we, these days, you know, we deal with a lot of manufacturers, wholesale distribution, any company out there that is, you know, manufacturing or selling goods uh, generally falls, you know, kind of under my umbrella. So we deal with the the strategy and roadmap. Uh, I've been in the the retail space uh, and technology generally for about thirty years. Uh, started my career. Uh, in Texas, working for a couple retailers, worked for the Bombay Company and Pier One, you know, just managing software, managing implementations, and supporting those softwares. And spent about ten years prior to NetSuite at uh, Oracle in their retail practice, working on store systems and merchandising systems. So had uh, quite a few different uh, experiences through those thirty years. But um, happy to be here today. Yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of good experience to to draw on there, and and specific to the. The industry as well, or, or product companies as well. So yeah. as we kind of move into the uh, topic of today around supply chain disruptions, economic uncertainty, all that stuff, and, and kind of what companies can do in response, I think I just want to start with this question. Given the the combination we have today of still some disruptions in the supply chain, as well as that uncertainty about where the economy is going, um, you know, what what kind of the the future holds there. Um, what advice do you have for companies on how they can kind of manage through these these really big 
challenges that that could pose a lot of a lot of questions and a, and a lot of problems potentially as well. Yeah, this is this is this is a, this is definitely a challenging one. And you know, whether we're talking about you know large companies or small and medium sized companies, you know, we we all continue to work through these challenges that we've been experiencing over over the past couple of years. And I, you know, you know, personally, I I think it's really important to you know when we're dealing with this and when we're trying to run a company, it's important to leverage data, right, to plan for the future as much as we can. And that's both internal data and external data. You know, I like to, you know, as I'm researching the space, I, I like to look at macroeconomic data and I like to look at, you know, you know, it, as we try to forecast and look at what's coming in the future, all we can do is leverage data like, you know, unemployment numbers or job growth or interest rates and inflation, the consumer price index, things like this really can at least give us an idea of where we're heading, you know, over the coming weeks or months. And that's that's really from a macro perspective, that's really all we can do. I like to, you know, there are lots of different sources out there. I personally like to go, there's a there's an organization called the National Retail Federation. Mm-hmm. Uh, their website is nrf.com. And they they do a lot of research. They They really stay in tune with what's happening with, you know, the economy, what's happening with consumer behavior, so it's a really a great resource to go and look at their research just to to see where we're heading, where we are today, what are consumers doing. Um, you know, some other resources I use are you know the D- Department of Commerce. You know, you can go to commerce.gov and and look at data. But I think that's I think that's really the crux of it is leveraging you know external data as much as possible when things are so uncertain. All we can do is you know, look at all these different sources to try to figure out where we might be heading and try to plan for that. But then we also need to kind of couple that with our internal data. And, you know, we're going to, I think, get into a lot of that in in this podcast and, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, things like inventory, how do we manage our inventory? Um, And at the end of the day, you know, all these things, you know, have to focus on, you know, customer satisfaction, the customer experience, uh, and as we're managing through these times, you know, we've got to focus on, you know, the financial health of our companies and, and you know, kind of across when we look at supply chain and, and the impact, we really need to focus on the inventory position and how that's going to support, you know, that customer experience, as well as the financial health of our companies. And, and you know, we kind of have to, like I said, combine both all of this internal data and that external data, like the macroeconomic data, to try to make the best decisions we can um, in moving forward. And you know, as we plan for this, one last thing I'll point out is, you know, I was looking at um, the the NRF website, and and you know, for the rest of you know the year twenty twenty three, you know, we don't know how it's going to go, and hopefully we'll rebound soon, sooner rather than later. But the NRF forecast for retail sales growth for the rest of twenty twenty three. Uh, they're projecting four to six percent growth in retail sales. Now, that could change, but that's not bad. You know, it's it actually exceeds uh, the retail growth that we experienced pre-pandemic, so pre-2020. So, you know, if you look at that, um, that's not so bad. So, as we're planning our our supply chains, planning our inventory, we can look at data like this and say, all right. So, if NRF is correct and and retail sales are going to grow from four to six percent. Then you know that might help me plan uh, for my inventory purchases. Um, so we, we've got to use that data along with other data to try to help manage through these times. So hopefully, hopefully that will be helpful. Yeah, absolutely, and and good to see that 
you know, there, there kind of could be um, a, a little bit of a brighter spot on yeah. the horizon yeah. there. Yeah. There's some positives out there. So, you know, yeah. I try, I try to be an optimist. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so with that kind of in mind, and, and as you alluded to there, Chris, um, how does you think the current economic environment, inflation, you know, costs going up in general, as well as maybe consumer demand starting to fall off a little bit, how does that all kind of impact how businesses think about their stock as well as how they manage it? Yeah, you know, and the, and the stock, it's 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 kind of at the crux of, you know, most product related businesses, you know, and unfortunately, these days, there are lots of retailers that are still dealing with, you know, inventory challenges from, you know, the pandemic and, and the supply chain disruptions that we've seen. I saw an article recently, there was a publication called WWD. Uh, they published an article that said that uh, the majority of the retailers they they interviewed and they looked at were still carrying, you know, in 2023, they were still carrying 20% more inventory than they normally would. So, you know, we've had all kinds of crazy things happening with the pandemic and, you know, the supply chain disruptions and then a rebound after the, you know, pandemic and, and consumer confidence going up. So, you know, managing that that inventory position is, is really difficult. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, again, we've got to use whatever data we have uh, to try to get to a point where we can bring that inventory down, right? So if we're sitting on 20% more inventory, We've got to find a way to get that inventory down, right? Because uh, there's a cash impact on that, uh, but while also, you know, satisfying consumer demand, right? So, you know, if I need to get rid of that 20% of inventory that's sitting on top of what I normally have, you know, do I need to get promotional with that? Maybe so. Uh, do I want to just, you know, try to purge that inventory another way? Maybe use their companies called jobbers that will go out and and buy inventory off of you at, at a discount, um, and then move it elsewhere, uh, you know, maybe even across the world. But, you know, do, do I make decisions like that to try to get rid of this excess inventory to kind of reset for what's coming next, right? It's just a decision we need to make based on, you know, the type of products we're selling and, and the season we're going into. And so, uh, you know, I think that's a, a big part of it is, is trying to figure out, you know, where we are today and, and, you know, what does my inventory look like today based on what's been happening in the past couple of years? What do I need to do to prepare myself for the next six, nine, 12 months and so on to make sure that my inventory is in the right position to satisfy my customers down the road, right? Yeah. And as you mentioned, there's obviously a, a close connection between available cash or cash flow and, and your inventory. And it seems like everyone and anyone is talking about cash flow and how important it is these days. Um, do you think that business leaders for these product companies realize how big of a lever kind of their inventory and inventory management can be in increasing their cash cash position since that is such a kind of key priority right now? Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, and the companies that I talk with, I, I, I do, I think they've got a, I think they've got their finger on this one, but I think that lever goes both ways though. When we're looking at the relationship of, of your inventory position and your cash position, you know, you've got to be careful about how you are balancing that, right? So the more inventory you're carrying, it's going to have, can have a negative impact on, on your cash position. So, you know, ideally you want to try to sell as much as possible to satisfy your customers with as little inventory as possible, right? And that's going to have, you know, a positive impact on your cash position, right? But the you know, ultimately the carrying costs of, of the inventory 
can have such a, a negative impact on on the balance sheet and your and your cash cash position in general. This is where you know we've got to leverage modern software to kind of manage these things to make sure that your inventory and your cash position are balanced in in such a way to keep your your, your business as healthy as possible and keep your customers happy ultimately is what it's all about, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, as you said, it's it's very important now and it's always been important, right, to, to forecast for inventory well. But do you think that some of these conditions we've talked about, whether it be the supply chain, whether it be, you know, holding more inventory than usual or just kind of these inflationary pressures, do you think all those conditions have put, could we say, maybe a premium on uh, demand and supply planning? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, demand and supply planning can help companies of all sizes right, deliver, you know, speed and accuracy in their business uh, way above what you can normally achieve with a spreadsheet. So we see it a lot, mostly with small and mid-sized companies where they're leveraging spreadsheets um, to, to manage their inventory and, and try to match up demand and supply. And that's really, it's kind of the crux of what we're talking about here is trying to make sure that you know, we're matching up demand and supply as closely as possible and trying to drive efficiencies into this process, right? So, you know, modern demand and supply planning capabilities, you know, not only provide an accurate forecast of, of what we think is going to happen in, in the future based on historical data, but they can also help monitor the health of the supply chain in real time, you know, as we are planning and executing the supply chain we're trying to satisfy demand and execute on, on that but you know things happen in the supply chain that you know that that uh, we don't expect right we might have inventory constraints we might have late purchase orders right so you know, a good example is if if a retailer has some constrained inventory uh, situations and and maybe a purchase order looks like it's going to be late what do we do with it right supply planning, can help you monitor this and and give you alerts to that situation where you know as opposed to trying to manage this in a spreadsheet right you can dynamically be alerted to things like a late purchase order and then you know software can help you make decisions to help alleviate that problem as quickly as possible right so it's it's really about being more proactive than reactive if if you're spending time manually looking through spreadsheets and trying to manage your inventory flowing through the supply chain, you're taking up so much time just kind of chugging through and massaging data that you can't really get to that proactive level where, where you are dynamically making decisions in real time based on what your suppliers are doing or what's happening elsewhere in your supply chain. And I think these you know, demand and, and supply planning uh, solutions really bring that dynamic and proactive capability to, you know, businesses of all sizes, right? It's, it's really mm-hmm. one of the benefits we see is, you know, small and mid-sized companies are getting the benefits of, uh, you know, software like NetSuite is providing that that typically, you know, product-based companies never had before, right? And they had to do things in spreadsheets because the software was maybe too expensive. But I think that's one thing that that is that's putting a premium on on these solutions is you know, we're able to deliver these solutions to all sizes of companies and give them, you know, these robust capabilities. And when we think about what kind of numbers retailers should be paying attention to right now, what are some metrics or, or KPIs that stand out to you as as things that can help them manage their stock better and try to keep, um, you know, as much cash around as possible while, like you said, make sure that they're they're meeting demand as well? 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I think that there are there are lots. I think you know the probably the first couple that that uh, companies look at first, and you got inventory sell through and and metrics like inventory turn, uh, very important KPIs, right? So th these are going to give you a measure of how quickly you're moving your inventory through that supply chain, right? Then you know, I guess I would say start looking at location specific data, right? If you, if you're looking at you know how quickly you're moving inventory through your supply chain, then you know if you've got multiple warehouses or a combination of warehouses and physical brick and mortar stores, then you can start drilling into that granular data and looking at that location data. And then going further, looking at, you know, merchandise category specific data, right? And, and, and matching that up together, right? So I can see, you know, how quickly is my inventory moving through the supply chain? You know, as it's moving through the supply chain, you know, where am I selling the most? Do I have, you know, a particular warehouse that's supplying more than others? Or do I have particular stores that are, you know, flowing data, uh, you know, products through faster than others? And then I can look at, you know, uh, specific categories of merchandise. Do I have hot sellers? Right? What are my top sellers? What are my bottom sellers? You know, when we look at KPIs, I think these are important, right? So these are my top selling items. How do I manage that inventory, right? I'm going to manage that differently than, you know, my bottom sellers, if I've got, you know, slow sellers that are sitting in the warehouse, you know, what's, what's the problem? Is it, is it uh, mm -hmm. a problem with those products? And I just need to purge those and, and move on to, you know, different products or am I not reaching my customers? So, you, you know, everything from, you know, things like the inventory turn to top and bottom sellers and, and then comparing locations and, and seeing how they're performing, you know, against each other. And then, you know, once we look at that data, you know, then we can really get to a point where we're more proactively managing that inventory and make decisions based on what we're seeing, right? Based on my inventory turn, my top sellers or bottom sellers, I can use that data to make decisions on my future purchases, how I'm flowing data through the supply chain. I can also, you know, leverage things like, you know, metrics like market basket analysis, analysis analyzing what customers are buying and why they're buying it. Right. And we can drive intelligent product recommendations based on this and, and look at other consumer behavior metrics. Right. And making more proactive decisions based on this data. It's um, it's really what I think we all hope to get to where we're not being so reactive. We're just leveraging this data to be more proactive. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the the point about kind of the more granular data, like location specific and, and yeah. category specific. I could definitely yeah. see the the value of that. Um and one metric I wanted to ask about specifically that that I feel like I've been hearing about recently is the cash conversion cycle. Could you explain quickly kind of what that is and maybe why it's become more of a focus as of late? Yeah, you know, as as we look at this balance between inventory and and the cash position, it's 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 such a balance. And and the cash conversion cycle is really it's really just a measure of how many days it takes to recover the cash that you spent acquiring the inventory that you're trying to sell, right? So as I'm investing in, in inventory, how long does it take me to recover that, 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 uh, that investment by selling it to consumers, right? So it's, it's also closely related to inventory turns. How fast am I turning that inventory over, right? The faster uh, I, I'm getting that return on investment on that inventory, all right? It's, it's really all about that, right? If I'm moving my inventory faster, um, I, I'm obviously getting the cash back and I can do other things with that cash, right? So I think it's come into focus mainly because th there are many retailers that uh, they become 
hyper aware of, of the financial impact of carrying too much inventory. It's an important part of what we're looking at here, right? So some retailers will actually take out loans to pay for the inventory on the front end of the supply chain. And, you know, what we need to look at here is with interest rates continuing to go up, the longer it takes me to pay back those loans, the more I'm going to be paying in interest, right? So right. that cash, that cash conversion cycle is a big deal. If I'm laying out money on January 1st to purchase inventory, and I'm not going to get that back for another six or nine months, that can be painful if I'm trying to pay back loans and the interest rates are going up, right? So that the carrying cost here of sitting on that inventory is is really, um, really a big deal, and and it can have such an impact on uh, on my cash position uh, as we're going through these these cycles. And as we start to think about how NetSuite kind of fits into this a little bit and, and helps with some of these these problems or challenges, what specific capabilities would you point to? Um, with NetSuite that can kind of help businesses strike that balance between customer demand and the supplies or the inventory that they order? Yeah, that's a, it's a big question. There, there, are, there are a lot of pieces of that puzzle. And, you know, NetSuite uh, offers so many capabilities, but I, I really think the whole process starts, you know, with a capability like NetSuite's planning and budgeting, you know, talking about financial planning and and budgeting and looking at your financials and making sure that you know, you're staying healthy from a financial perspective, right? So once you go through that financial planning process, then you can start focusing on capabilities like demand and supply planning, right? And NetSuite on top of that can introduce automation in, in both the demand and the supply side with, with the capabilities that we provide, right? So it can automatically recommend what and how much to buy based on, you know, the historical data, right? Then it can also dynamically respond to what's happening in the supply side, right? What I, what I mentioned before with alerts and, and providing these recommend recommendations, um, you know, when inventory is running, running low. Um, you know, we also have capabilities like inventory allocations and, and reallocation of inventory, and then reservations of inventory by channel, right? And th these are important as we're, you know, making decisions of, about fulfilling orders, Right, we we've got to go and find that inventory, whether it's in a, a warehouse or in a store. You know, consumers these days uh, have high expectations of of you know placing an order and and getting the product, whether it's going to be shipped to their home or they're going to go somewhere and pick it up. So you know, being able to leverage you know a, you know a solution like Netsuite to you know not just cut a purchase order and receive that inventory and, and use demand and and supply planning to to manage that. But then once we have the inventory in the supply chain, being able to react to, you know, what consumers are doing by allocating inventory to the appropriate place or reallocating orders. You know, if I've got, you know, a B2B order coming from Walmart, you know, that, that might be a higher priority than another B2B customer. So do, you know, do I want to reserve inventory specifically for Walmart? Uh, so there are lots of dials that we can turn in NetSuite to make sure that we're intelligently managing that inventory, whether it's reserving inventory for specific customers or specific channels, and then dynamically, you know, fulfilling orders based on where the inventory is and the availability of that inventory. So lots of different dials that we're turning to make sure that we are intelligently managing that inventory all the way through the supply chain and, and ultimately keeping customers happy, whether it's you know, the end consumer or, or a B2B customer. 
How did six out of the top seven best-performing tech stocks gain visibility and control over financials, inventory, planning, and budgeting with NetSuite by Oracle? Answers at netsuite.com slash code, netsuite.com slash code. On that kind of note, what companies have you seen that have really kind of figured this out, as at least as much as you know, a retailer or product company can um, when it comes to balancing inventory as well as demand? Um, what what companies have you seen that have, have kind of figured out how to do that quite well? Yeah, we, you know, and that's, we've got lots of, you know, we've got 34,000 customers around the world uh, running our software. But, you know, I work with a, a lot of these customers, one that I've been working with recently, there's, there's a company called Hydrojug, you know, and they design and manufacture water bottles and accessories. It's, a, it's actually a, a very cool story. That was actually, they started the company a few years ago, uh, literally out of, a couple brothers started the company, literally out of their parents' garage in Utah. So when we look at, you know, balancing, you know, inventory forecasting, um, you know, they started out you know, managing their business on spreadsheets. Uh, they implemented NetSuite and, and started leveraging uh, some of our capabilities. Um, and it really helped them out quite a bit, right? They, they, you know, if you look at their website, they've got uh, a direct-to-consumer model. You can buy from their website. They also have B2B partners, you know, companies like DNC and Ace Hardware and Shields, and they, they sell through Amazon, um, but, uh, you know, one, one thing that I look at, one data point that I look at with Hydrojug, you know, once they implemented NetSuite, they were able to reduce their inventory forecasting process from five days down to less than one day, right? So they, they, they you know, back to our comments about, you know, working in spreadsheets, the, you know, they used to, it used to take five days to set, you know, the data up in a spreadsheet and, and manipulate it. Um, now they're in a more dynamic environment where they're leveraging NetSuite data to forecast that demand. Uh, and they can also use, you know, th this, you know, this data within NetSuite to balance things like introducing new products and, and deciding, you know, how much of a new product they need to manufacture and procure and which channels these product needs to go to. So it's, uh, I think that Hydrojug story is, is a great example of, of how even smaller companies can leverage you know, the, these capabilities in NetSuite to, to fine tune and, 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 and strike that balance when, when we're talking about inventory forecasting. Yeah. I mean, five days to, to less than one day, we're talking about one fifth of the time, maybe even a little right. less. It's, it's yeah. not hard to see how that makes a difference. You know, and it gives them the ability to, you know, work more intelligently. They can take those other four days and, you know, deal with other things in the business, whether it's interacting with customers or, you know, looking at demand and, and looking at other problems. So it's, it allows them to work more intelligently. So it's uh, helps them balance their inventory, but it helps them run their business uh, just generally smarter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And as we look beyond kind of inventory forecasting and, and balancing your, your demand as well as your supply, what are some other areas of the supply chain where you see businesses kind of running into some challenges right now or maybe not doing things as efficiently as they could be? Yeah. So, you know, we talk about a lot about demand and supply. And when we're talking about supply chain, you know, that, that's where a lot of the focus is, you know, in, in executing, you know, in solutions like warehouse management, you know, but, you know, when we're talking about supply chain, one, one thing that I, you know, don't normally get into that often is, is on the accounting side of things. But, but I think, 
I think that's an important part of it. And, you know, we're talking about striking the balance between inventory and managing your cash and being healthy financially. You know, accounts payable is, is a big part of that. And it's, it's one of those areas of the supply chain with a lot of inefficiencies, you know, especially, you know, if, if you're running your business in spreadsheets or older solutions, um, there are opportunities to, to, you know, bring some, some automation and more efficiencies into the accounts payable process. And, and that helps the supply chain, right? So NetSuite introduced a, a new module called AP Automation, you know, driving automation into that payable process where you can scan invoices from your vendors from an email, you know, you can use OCR technology to, to auto-populate the data from the invoice into an electronic invoice. And, and really what that means, you know, in managing the supply chain is, uh, and, and it helps us protect the bottom line here as we're, as we're, you know, flowing products through the supply chain, we can take that data in that electronic invoice and we can leverage uh, capabilities like three-way invoice matching which takes a look at three pieces of data, the purchase order, the invoice, and, uh, and inventory receipts, and make sure that everything, everything is accurate, right? So, you know, if I, if I ordered 1,000 widgets, uh, but the vendor only shipped 900, but they're billing me for all 1,000, you know, this is one thing that normally, you know, wouldn't show up for days or weeks later in a spreadsheet as you were digging through it. But this is, you know, with AP Automation, we can introduce this efficiency where we can automatically uh, alert you that you're being billed for for more than what uh, what was actually received. So it's it's uh, it's really one of those cool tools that um, uh, that we've introduced. And then you know, obviously, I mentioned WMS uh, and you know the fulfillment process. I think there's always opportunities to drive efficiencies there. You know, there's a Another case study that we've got another customer we've got is a company called Air Oasis. They uh, offer, uh, they manufacture air filtration products. Um, you know, they've uh, introduced a direct direct to consumer business model. You know, obviously mm -hmm. back in 2020 with the pandemic, air filtration was a pretty big deal. So their business grew right. 300% almost overnight back in 2020, wow. you know, and since then they've been able to uh, maintain a lot of that growth, but, you know, WMS and, and the fulfillment process is, is a part of that, right? If you, if these processes are inefficient, your business explodes 300%, it can be hard to, to keep up with that. But, you know, in leveraging NetSuite, Air Oasis has been able to introduce some simple processes in the warehouse, things like scanning barcodes, you know, during the packing process that it allows them to kind of validate exactly what's going out the door um, which leads to more accurate fulfillment processes and ultimately to, you know, happier customers and, and improved customer experience. So, you know, things, you know, that, that definitely the whole warehouse management process and fulfillment, the whole, you know, pick, pack and ship. Uh, I think there are always opportunities to improve that and bring efficiencies uh, in there. And that's, we just definitely helping customers do that. Yeah. And when we talk about automation, one thing that, that comes to mind for me is AI. It's obviously been, everywhere lately, kind of like cash loan AI, Definitely. you know, might be two yeah. of the most uh, <laughs> often used terms in the last several months. But anyway, um, for specifically generative AI, so things like ChatGPT and these other more advanced applications of artificial intelligence. When we think about that technology, do you see any use case for it in terms of helping people manage their supply chains and overcome some of these, these problems that we've talked about? Yeah, man, Ian, this is a uh... This is a really interesting one. I, you know, uh, this 
chat GPT, you know, this seemed to come out of nowhere uh, and it's just exploded so quickly, but mm -hmm. I, you know, everything I'm, you know, reading and seeing, I don't, I don't think this is going away. I think we're going to be talking about this, um, you know, well into the future. But, you know, just to be clear, you know, NetSuite definitely does not use any third-party generative AI models, right? So, you know, I think there's a, still a lot to figure out, you know, where those guardrails are and how we're going to use it. But, you know, it's, it's really interesting that, you know, chat GPT can actually develop its own code. I, th I think, Somewhere down the road, there are definitely going to be companies that that leverage these tools to to drive you know some automation in the supply chain. You know, we right now definitely are not using GPT, but what we have been doing, you know, at Netsuite, we've you know we for years have actually been using our own machine learning capabilities and some of these tools we leverage from our parent company Oracle to analyze data. Right, so we use machine learning to you know, analyze what's happening in the supply chain. So we drive automation, leveraging that machine learning, and we can make decisions based on, you know, how our suppliers are performing over time, right? If, if there's a, you know, if, if the machine learning module, you know, is monitoring how a specific vendor is performing over the past year or two, you know, it, it can actually tell you, uh, I think there's there's an X percent risk that this vendor is going to be late on this purchase order. What do you want to do about it? So there's some cool things that we're doing with our own tools, um, but it'll be really interesting to see where where these generative AI models end up, uh, you know, somewhere down the road. But I think we definitely need to be very careful about those guardrails and, and how, uh, you know, how it's being used. But uh, as of right now, we are definitely not using that tool. We use our own tools to, to you know, drive automation in, in the supply chain. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, we've been using it for a little while, right? Using some yeah. some form of machine learning, and I think it's one of those things that people might not have realized, you know, what what was kind of doing it behind the scenes, but it it, it was there, um, yep, and it, it was definitely. hopefully helping them as well. Um, when we think about Netsuite ERP as a whole and how it can kind of just help businesses drive efficiency and profitability through better supply chain management, you touched on WMS, you touched on uh, demand and supply planning, as well as even AP automation and kind of the connection there. Any other modules or kind of components of the system that come to mind that that help our, our customers manage their supply chains better and hopefully, hopefully more profitably? I think a, a simple tool like our dashboard real-time intelligent alerts can, can help us get there too. I mentioned mm -hmm. AP automation, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's about you know presenting business users with something that they can act on, right? To help, you know, help. Uh, protect that profitability. So if I can get an alert, you know, from my AP automation module that says, um, you know, here's this invoice from an from a vendor, but based on the data, if you pay it, you're going to be overpaying based on what they shipped you. So I, I I think it's tools like that where we can drive intelligent alerts based on the data uh, to help protect that bottom line and and ultimately the, the profitability of your company. Yeah, absolutely. And moving on to one kind of aspect of the supply chain, we haven't touched on much so far. Um, your your partners and, and your suppliers and all these different parties you might work with. It could be marketplaces, it could be 3PL providers, it could be like you mentioned earlier, B2B customer, like a big retailer, whatever the case might be. But what are some com common challenges that companies kind of face when it comes to collaborating and working with all those different parties that are kind of involved in their supply chain? Yeah, I mean, there's so many different flavors out there, Ian. You know, NetSuite... Um... You know, we've got, 
our own marketplace where where we can kind of partner with you know 3PLs or marketplaces provide integrations uh you know if you go out to sweetapp.com uh, there are lots of different flavors of how we interact with these partners, but I, you know, to, I think to answer the question, um, I think I think for smaller and, and mid-sized businesses, it's it's kind of simple, and it kind of gets down to kind of the blocking and tackling. If I'm going to interact with a three PL provider or or a marketplace or B two B customers, you know, do do I need to communicate through EDI? Or mm-hmm. do I need a direct integration, you know, with with this, you know, like with Amazon, right? So there are di- some simple decisions to make about how I'm going to interact with these third-party providers, right? And, you know, I think um, it, it really comes down to once we make those decisions, uh, it's all, again, back to the data, right? How are we transmitting and receiving that data? It, uh, how do we make sure that that data is accurate and timely, you know, kind of back to uh, another customer example. I mentioned Hydrojug earlier. Uh, that that blocking and tackling of of just simply enabling EDI communication for Hydrojug was a big deal for them. They are selling at, at uh, you know the B two B customers I mentioned. Um, you know, for them like GNC and 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 other partners across the country. You know, simply uh, enabling EDI communication and and allowing them to interact with B two B customers uh, helped them grow their business 380% in just two years, right? So it, it opened up new channels and new customers for them that they didn't have before. And it was just a simple thing that, you know, prior to NetSuite, they weren't able to communicate, you know, with EDI for, you know, for these uh, different partners across the country. So something simple like that has such a big impact on them. And, you know, there's another company that uh, uses NetSuite, um, that's a good example here. This is, they're called Hammett, H-A-M-M-I-T-T. They uh, manufacture luxury handbags uh, and they design them and they're based out of California. And, you know, they've been running NetSuite for 10 years, but, you know, when we talk about dealing with 3PL or other third-party, you know, solutions, after, you know, using NetSuite, they, they were actually to, you know, bring some of these processes in-house, like they now manage their uh, their own logistics, they manage sales and marketing within NetSuite. So, you know, they've been able to leverage NetSuite to, to take these partnerships and, and, you know, bring some of them in-house. Um, but what that's allowed them to do is, uh, you know, take their business model and expand it. So now they're planning on expanding uh, their business to international markets. And, you know, that that might mean interacting with, you know, a whole new group of, of partners. So if they move, you know, if they start interacting in Europe, maybe they, they need to set up a 3PL partnership. But, uh, you know, de- definitely NetSuite can uh, help interact with with whatever partner they need to interact with to, to manage that supply chain. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of connections and, and data flowing around. And it could be challenging, right, to get that all sorted out. But the examples you showed there, um, really kind of highlight why it's worth it, right? Like you said, it can open up all sorts of new market right. opportunities, all sorts exactly. of growth if you can figure this stuff out and, and make it kind of scalable and and hopefully automated as much as possible. Exactly. And when we we kind of think about how you can address all those challenges, what do you think are some of the, the, the key ways to bring all that information together and just kind of make your ecosystem of these different marketplaces and suppliers and and customers and, and all that stuff, what are the best ways to kind of mitigate the challenges that that come with with those? Is it do you think a lot of it's kind of choosing the right technology partners to to help you? 
Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, when we're talking about and, you know, every, every business is different and, and, you know, you might be direct to consumer or you might be to be, you might have an external 3PL provider. There, there are so many different flavors, but I think a big, you know, I think a big piece of that um, and, and one thing that I'm proud about with NetSuite is, you know, we've got a unified platform and, and we've got all of this data in, in one place which I think makes it simple. So I think, you know, when you're taking such a complex business model, when your internal technology can be as simple as possible while managing those interactions, I think that's very important. And NetSuite's unified platform, I think, helps drive that efficiency. And as we start to wrap up here, Chris, just a a couple kind of final bigger picture questions for you. So obviously no one knows what's going to happen with the economy in, in the next couple of years here, but just as businesses try to plan and specifically think about their supply chains, what are kind of two or three areas you would recommend that they really focus on in their supply chain um, to kind of prepare for whatever, you know, whatever could, could be coming. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That kind of comes back to, you know, being agile, you know, we we don't Mm -hmm. know what's happening next, but all we can do is use the data that's available to us and, and try to make the best decisions possible. And I think, you know, if it's two or three points that we want to focus on, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we all need to keep our customers happy. So, you know, it's all about driving the customer experience. But in doing so, in in, in challenging times like this, we need to use technology to, you know, protect the bottom line, protect our profitability, minimize unnecessary expenses. We talked about, you know, a number of these things. If if I can sell more with as little inventory as possible, that's going to help protect my cash position. It's going to help protect my profitability. So, you know, really it's all about leveraging technology and trying to get rid of manual processes and spreadsheets and and just working more more intelligently and leveraging this technology to, you know, make sure you're you're satisfying your customers at the end of the day, but also protecting that bottom line and making sure you you're not throwing money out the window by, you know, paying vendors too much or doing things like this, right? Those unnecessary expenses. So it's watching that bottom line and, and satisfying your customers as best possible. And why do you think it's so important to kind of prioritize these these types of improvements and initiatives right now, especially at a time when a lot of companies are, you know, looking for ways to to cut costs and maybe cut back on their technology spend. But why why is now the time to kind of sort these things out? Yeah. I, you know, Ian, I think, uh, again, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I think, I think it uh, comes down to having to be agile, you know, when, when, you know, in 2020, when uh, when you know when the pandemic hit and things started to shut down, you know the the companies that survived are are the companies that were able to be agile, do things that maybe they didn't have to do before. You know, things like you know offering customers the ability to buy online or pick up in the store or, or mm-hmm. you know do curbside pickup, things like that. Being agile and having technology to adapt to that. That was a pretty drastic example. You know, I mean, retailers have never had to react so quickly to such a dramatic economic impact, at least in my career. Um, It was pretty amazing to see, you know, the companies that could react to that, whether it was restaurants and, you know, offering you know, ordering, you know, online or over the phone and and coming and picking it up, you know, we had to be creative. So I think it's all about being agile, leveraging technology, you know, but again, we don't know what's coming next. I'm, I'm hopeful that 2024 is going to give us an opportunity to see things 
settle down. And, you know, if the economy stabilizes in 2024 or maybe late 2023, we'll see, you know, we're going to see consumer confidence start to rebound. Right. And when that happens, it's kind of the same thing. We as, you know, product based companies need to be prepared to respond to that. Right. So if consumers are confident in 2024 and things start to rebound, you know, what is my inventory position going to look like at that point? How am I going to react to it? Am I still burdened with excess inventory that is not going to sell? Is that impacting my cash position? So I think it's all of these things combined. I think it's kind of looking at the next six to nine months, uh, making sure that I'm doing, making the right financial decisions to get me past that point. But then beyond then, you know, what, what does 2024 and 2025 look like? And how do I set myself up as a business owner to uh, to take advantage of that and uh, be as profitable as, as possible and and satisfy my customers. Yeah, I think that's a great point to to kind of think about what what could lie ahead and and are you going to be ready for the the rebound if you will? Um, and yeah, right. you need to think about it now, right? You can't just uh, exactly. you can't just wait until it happens because then you might be might be playing catch up. Exactly. All right, Chris. Well, thanks so much for the time today. I really appreciate all your your thoughts and insights here, and uh, thanks for coming on. Love doing it. Thanks, Ian. Appreciate it. I really like that last point from Chris about retailers taking steps now to capitalize on demand once it does bounce back. Straightening out your supply chain and getting the reports and insights you need ASAP could really put your business at an advantage, especially since many believe conditions will improve relatively quickly. Thank you so much to Chris for joining us on this episode of the podcast. I also want to extend another thank you to our editing crew over at Lampstand and, as always, all of you for tuning in. If you want more episodes just like this one, make sure you subscribe to our channel and give us a rating interview. Thanks so much, and we'll talk soon. You just listened to the NetSuite podcast. Be sure to tune in every week with more NetSuite developments, stories, and insights into the benefits of one integrated system to help you run your business.